Holy Gospel according to Mark, the 13th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said, in those days after that suffering, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. Then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away but my, until all of these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But about that day or hour, no one knows. Neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Beware, keep alert, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his slaves in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to be on the watch. Therefore, keep awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or at cockcrow, or at dawn, or else he may find you asleep when he comes suddenly. And what I say to you, I say to you all, Keep awake. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you. O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. What is the last thing you had to wait for? Do you remember the nervousness that accompanied the waiting? The way you repeatedly checked the clock or your watch or your phone, willing the time to pass more quickly? Or how impatient you felt as you watched for a sign that the waiting was coming to an end? In the novel, This Magnificent Dappled Sea, the author tells the story of a young Italian boy whose life is saved by when a New York rabbi volunteers as a bone marrow donor and is a match for the boy. Months after the boy's health was restored, arrangements were made for the Americans to travel to the village where he lived and everyone is eager to meet the man who had saved the young boy's life. The author describes the boy's anticipation and excitement waiting outside customs for the rabbi and his family, the way they recognized each other from photographs, and how the whole town swarmed the street and around their car when they arrived in the village. These chaotic but joyful scenes began a new season in their lives. 
Today we're beginning a new church year and a new season in our liturgical year. Advent comes from the word Adventus, which means approach or arrival. And during these next four weeks, we are invited into this time of waiting with eagerness and anticipation. But what are we waiting for? One narrative tells us that these next four weeks are about grand surprises and perfect presents, blazing displays of colorful lights, popular carols and Christmas music, fanciful food and family celebrations. And before you call me Scrooge, those things can bring a lot of happiness in their own hectic and hurried way. But scripture and Christian belief tells another story. A story that invites us to remember that we are waiting for something new and that God is the one who fulfills our waiting. In our first reading, we heard from the prophet Isaiah. The passage is in the portion of Isaiah called Third Isaiah, written after 538. BCE, when Cyrus of Persia conquered Babylon and allowed the Israelites to return to Jerusalem. The prophet, now an old man, has returned to the ruins of his city. And together with the people of Israel, they cry out to God. For a generation they had wanted to return, and now they are there and it isn't what they expected. If there has ever been an advent when we could relate to things not being as we expected or hoped, this is the year. So as tempting as it is to skip these troubling texts and find more encouraging words in scripture, words that leap to the joy of Christmas, we need to hear these laments because they are honest. These verses give us the words that we need when it feels and looks like everyone around us is celebrating, but we are struggling. They help us name the distance and even the absence of God that we feel when we are suffering from pain or loss. And they give us language and permission to yell at God when the world around us doesn't make sense. We actually only hear one part of the full lament. The full text begins in 6315, but we pick it up at the beginning of chapter 64 with the prophet's plea, Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down. The prophet invites Yahweh to intervene forcibly and physically in the world, to obliterate any distance between creator and created, and to show up in the same way that God had delivered Israel from previous enemies and calamities. The words are spoken even as the world feels like it is falling apart and we and all we feel is anguish and agony. 
They are spoken with confidence that God is with us even when we feel alone. Here we are. Your promises tell us you are here too. Restore us, O oh God. Let your face shine on us and we shall be saved. The next verses confess Israel's sin in the same persistent patterns that we have of ignoring God and forgetting our dependence upon God. The prophet's words are filled with sorrow and shame, or what some old-timers might call sorriness, when you have nowhere else to go and nothing else to do but fall on your knees and confess how hard-hearted you have been. Incredibly, in the confession, the prophet tries to point the finger at Yahweh. Toward the end of verse 5, he tries to lay the blame on God, saying, we only acted that way because you hid from us. Sometimes the responsibility we bear for our own transgressions is too much. But even then, God does not turn us away. Here we are. Forgive us for what we've done and not done, what we can name and what we cannot bring ourselves to name. Restore us, O oh God. Let your face shine on us and we shall be saved. Prayer continues with a mighty yet. Yet, O oh Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay and you are our potter. We are all the work of your hand. In this one verse, the prophet moves us from past to present. We know God's action and character from the stories that our ancestors in faith have shared with us. We trust in God's mercy and goodness, and now we name God as Lord and Father and ask God to be faithful, renewing us and recreating us that we may know hope and healing. In this address, the prophet calls God our potter. Over the last year and a half or so, I had the opportunity to begin learning pottery, and I discovered that wheel-prone pottery begins with a process called centering. As the potter, you take a lump of clay, and with some force, you throw that clay down on the wheel. And you slowly begin pushing the clay down and coning it back upward and pushing it down and up again. And you're always watching to see whether it's centered. There's a lot of joy when you've centered the clay and you begin to see the shape come into its own as you work with it. It's a lot harder when the clay gets off kilter or wobbly 
and you realize it's not centered anymore. And it's surprising how quickly it can happen and how obvious it is. There's no hiding it. Sometimes you can salvage it or create something organic, but just as often, all you can really do then is set the clay aside, adding some water to it so it won't dry out and become unusable. And after some time, you can come back to that clay and begin again. Imagining God as the potter, I can picture both the joy and the consternation that must accompany watching creation as we first draw near, centered on God, and then we turn away, distracted and deceived into thinking that we don't need God at the center of our lives. But the prophet knows that despite whatever disappointment we've inspired, the potter will not reject us. Remember that we belong to you. Restore us, O God. Let your face shine on us, and we shall be saved. As we enter into this Advent, may we have this same confidence that God hears us, forgives us, and restores us. In God's own time, as we wait expectantly and hopefully, God is doing a new thing with all of us. Amen.